What's going on, everyone? Phil Vallejo here with the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. Um, welcome back. Sorry for the uh, delay. Um, Kalen's currently out in the mountains right now, so I figured I'd do a little ep- real quick episode for you guys. Um, talk about current events and, and stuff that's going on on, on my Instagram. Uh, but for those that are tuning in to the Modern Day Sniper Podcast for the first time, uh, this is the podcast for the modern day rifleman. Uh, you know, the guy that's out there looking for relevant information um, with regards to the craft of long range shooting. You know, whether you're a um, competitive shooter, law enforcement, military sniper, a hunter, or even just a long range enthusiast, we try to bring you, um, you know, pretty rele- relevant information uh, so that. You know, you could better enhance your craft of being a, a marksman uh, and a precision rifleman. So, uh, yeah, welcome, and uh, let's talk about uh, some current events. So, um, very first thing that I, I do want to highlight is um, uh, congratulations to Allison Zane. Uh, for those that don't know who Allison Zane is, I've actually never personally met her, uh, but I've been following her for quite some time now. Um, uh, since she kind of uh, surfaced from the NRL 22, National Rifle League 22 series. Um, but uh, she actually just won her first two-day national precision rifle match over there on the East Coast at the Frontline Defense um, Frontline Defense match uh, hosted by Paul Smith. And I've been to that uh, venue. I've been to that range. I've been to a couple of his courses of fire, and he, uh, he puts on a great course of fire, so I definitely know um, she worked for it. And... Um, super stacked uh roster um for competitives and it just goes to show you know all that work ethic that she's been putting in um you know and and just her vibe on social media again i've never actually personally met her uh but you know a a lot of guys that i shoot with and stuff like that they have nothing but great things to say about her and uh you know the vibe that she gives off on social media is, is the same that i would uh you know that they that they talk about for her. So congratulations to uh, Allison Zane, and I think she's only 15 years old. Um, but yeah, to uh, to win a uh, two-day national centerfire match, especially in a uh, heavily saturated, you know, um, adult male game, is is pretty phenomenal. Um, and you know, I don't think that's the last time that that's definitely not going to be the only time that you know she she wrecks havoc. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing her progress through her uh, through her journey. Um, but yeah, uh, a couple things with me, you know, um, I did a f- podcast with Frank maybe a week or two weeks ago. Um, and, and, uh, so if you haven't checked that out already, it's on the everyday sniper podcast and we only chatted for about an hour. It was actually last week, um, while my daughter was at dance and, uh, I just wanted to catch up with him. You know, it's always good talking to Frank. You know, we, we talked about some of the things, um, that I had heard on his podcast when I was doing a, um, uh, marathon from, uh, or just a, a drive from Yakima to to back to Wyoming, which is about a 12 hour trip. And I would say majority of that drive, I listened to the Everyday Sniper podcast. And um, I would say doing doing podcasts. This is my second time doing a podcast by myself, and it's a little tough. But I, I like Frank's um, his energy and, and the way he's able to just kind of uh, just talk. And I feel like when I'm listening to his podcast, I'm talking right next to him. Uh, you know, so. I'm getting out of my comfort zone here, you know, me doing a podcast and whatnot. Uh, and it's always nice to obviously bounce back things off of Kalen and whatnot, uh, since, you know, him and I are typically doing podcasts together. But anyways, um, so I listened to his podcast and, you know, uh, some of the things that really stuck out in, in our podcast with 
uh, or in his podcast with other interviewers and stuff like that was uh, Bart Line Barrels with Frank Green and um, Jeff Huber from Zero Compromise. Those were great. So if you guys go ahead and check those out, if you guys haven't already, again, the Everyday Sniper podcast with Frank Galley. Um, and then, uh, you know, we talked about rifle set- setup. Rifle setup is never an old subject, you know, and it, it's one of those things that um, I, I see obviously, you know, now that I work from home, you know, I've got a lot of time and, you know, I'm doing a lot of, um, uh, uh, social media stuff for modern day sniper. I'm also doing a lot of the edits for our current, um, uh, our current online training program that we're going to, uh, hopefully release by mid November, um, which is intro to long range. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of people posting videos of shooting and whatnot. And, um, you know, I, I take notes because it's like, okay, well, what would I do to try to fix that individual or what, what can I say to that person, you know, that's, that's, it's not going to, you know, infuriate him or whatever the case is. Or if I see that with my students in an actual course, how can I, you know, fix that issue? And, um, you know, typically what I've seen or, you know, um, when I hear when, when people, you know, uh, message me like, Hey, I'm having issues with what you're talking about not being able to uh, see my impacts. The very first thing that I ask is, Hey, how tall are you? Um, what's your length of pull set up? And, uh, you know, maybe send me a picture of your rifle and a couple of videos, you know, for those that have reached out to me. Um, and, and if I've had time to, uh, uh, reach back out to them and, um, you know, right off the bat, I'm able to kind of identify like, Hey man, your rifle setup is not ideal for your, you know, your, your body type. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not trying to say, you know, speak in absolutes like, Hey, this is the correct way. I just feel like this is the most efficient way after doing this for, you know, 13 years and being an instructor for the last six years, a professional instructor for the last six years. You know, I feel like I've, you know, figured out uh, the most efficient way to teach someone how to get comfortable behind a rifle, not only comfortable, but stable and, um, efficient enough to be able to uh, spot their own impacts okay because recoil management's key and that's one of the things that i learned when i went over to and taught at gunworks for uh when i did um for you know seasoned experienced hunters is you know the concept of recoil management wasn't really a thing you know being able to see your own impact and and splash uh, for those guys and you know uh, be able to correct if, if they need to uh, because typically what would happen is they take a shot put pop their face off the gun and then look over at their spotter or guide, or in this case, me as their instructor, like, Oh, where'd it go? And it's like, Hey man, you you need to tell me that because that's why you're here to take this class is you need to be able to spot your own impacts. Um, you know, and, and, you know, those that have known me for a while, you know, know that I'm a very big advocate of that as a, you know, modern day rifleman is, you know, being able to call your shot and being able to uh, see where you you missed and make the uh, appropriate correction. Uh, because I know shit happens, right? Make a bad wind call, um, may, maybe a bad trigger press or whatever the case might be. Our goal is to obviously follow up as quickly as we possibly can uh, to you know shoot in those same conditions that we just uh, shot in, um, because that's the only that's the only way that our uh, correction will be valid. Uh, but if you come off target, you don't even know where you hit and all this stuff. You know now you're just opening up the gap between the time that you can reengage, or essentially you're just making a brand new wind call. Um, but yeah, um, you know, so rifle setup again, is a never an old topic. Uh, you know, I think, um, I think another thing with that rifle setup 
is you know understanding uh, the rifle to shoulder connection. And if you guys are you know on, uh, tuned into our online training program, Kalen really covers that in depth. Um, for those that don't know, we've got a fundamentals of marksmanship package online, um, and I think Kalen does a really great job. Him and I are, I mean, to the T of of how we teach things, um, uh, very similar. And uh, you know, I was watching actually the other day to to reference as I'm doing these videos for Intro to Long Range because we had another editor, uh, Brian, who's done a f- fantastic job for us. Um, uh, he edited the first few uh, series for Kalen through modern, with Modern Day Sniper. Uh, so like the rifle cleaning video that you see on the schoolhouse, um, uh, the safety, um, circle of components, and fundamentals marksmanship. So that was all Brian's edits. And so what I've been doing is going back and saying, okay, how does how is the style of editing and stuff like that? And trying to incorporate that into the current intro long range, which I'm editing. Anyways, you know, watching the videos of fundamentals of marksmanship, you know, Kalen really uh, does hit the nail on the head when it comes to, you know, rifle to shoulder connection and really explaining the why behind why you should, you know, connect your your shoulder that way and whatnot. Um, and then, on you know, if, for those that don't have the ability to, you know, maybe uh, uh, fork up uh, the money to uh, subscribe or um, get that online training package, uh, I highly recommend you check out my YouTube video. Um, it's, uh, I think it's the Shooter's Checklist. Um, is that the, that's the title of it. And, you know, that, that checklist is essentially the body prep that I go off of, uh, when I'm building my shooting position. Um, and you know, regardless of, so that we call that the eight common factors to all shooting positions. And the reason why it's common factors to all shooting positions is because, uh, all eight of those positions are relative to, um, or sorry, all eight of those factors are, um, essentially relative is that the correct word? All eight of those positions or all eight of those factors are essentially, um, they're common and they're, they're utilized to enhance your position regardless of the position you find yourself in. So sitting, kneeling, standing prone. Okay. Um, you know, for instance, uh, one of the eight common factors is your rifle to shoulder connection that we talk about, um, meaning that rifle and how it's connected to your body, right? Um, you know, that's the same, whether I'm sitting, sitting net, uh, standing or prone, uh, my hips orientation to the target. Okay. And I talked about this in one of my posts that I just posted, um, you know, maybe a couple weeks ago is, uh, you know, timing your shot, uh, and having the infinity, uh, infinity sign wobble, uh, typically, you know, when you have the infinity sign wobble, when you're off your belly, uh, that's an indication of your natural point of aim is off because you're trying to drive the gun, um, in the opposite direction of where your natural point of aim is at. All right. So that's why you typically have a essentially wide wobble zone, but, um, yeah, check that out on, on, uh, on, on YouTube, um, you know, and, uh, share it with a friend. Um, you know, for those that are getting into uh, long range shooting, um, you know, but that, that's always a good foundation to get into, um, for, uh, for precision rifle shooting. And again, the faster, and I said it in this video, in the video, the faster that you commit that checklist or that, you know, body prep checklist to memory, um, the easier it will be to diagnose your shooting positions uh, in the future. You know, when you, so you're, when you're training, you're not just slinging rounds down, down range. Um, you have, you know, purpose and intent with your training practices. Um, you know, just so like, for like me, when I go out, 
um, the very first thing, well, I wouldn't say the very first thing. Um, I always try to dry fire and obviously shoot kind of like a fundamental drill uh, in my in my uh, training sessions. Um, so whether that be, you know, uh, zeroing or just shooting at paper, and I hate shooting at paper. Um, but uh, if I'm going to focus on the standing, you know, I'll typically do like a slow fire, uh, you know, and during that slow fire, what I'm doing is I'm revalidating my shooter's checklist to make sure that, hey, uh, this is still the most efficient way for me, at least, to be able to, um, you know, um, minimize my wobble. So increase my both stability and my recoil management factor. So um, and, and, and oftentimes I'm also uh, double checking everything that I preach. Um, you know, uh, just the other day that I went out to the range, um, I, I, I've done this like at least once every six months is, okay, maybe let me, cause I know Kalen likes to, uh, adjust his buttstock and, uh, uh, uh put it, put it off at an angle, uh, where mine is straight up and down. And, um, what I did was I head out to the range and I, um, you know, adjust cause in the KRG whiskey three, uh, you can make adjustments to the, uh, buttstock. And I did that and I just, you know, I still couldn't feel comfortable, um, in, in terms of, you know, both stability and, and, and recoil management. So, um, I just left it alone after, you know, practicing for about five to 10 rounds. So th that's kind of what my training, uh, you know, training kind of consists of. And again, if you, uh, if you get into, like we talked about in our last podcast, if you sign up for our subscription service that we'll be launching in January, 2021, um, you know, you'll, you'll pretty much be able to see an hour of our practice sessions, um, of what we're doing, how we're, we're shooting it and stuff like that. Because with that subscription service, you know, we're giving you, you guys a shooting drill of, you know, let's say 50 rounds. And then essentially what we're doing is we're shooting that drill, um, you know, as a demonstration of like, Hey, this is how we navigated through it. This is what we're doing and what, what, what we're finding with, uh, with the, with the course of fire. So that's, uh, yeah, that's that. Um, anyways, uh, moving on from kind of Frank's podcast, uh, I've been getting a lot hit up on a lot of questions about the, um, proof or sorry, the, uh, Tika, um, the Tika budget build kind of set up and where it's at, where it's progressed. I know for those that have been following on the YouTube series for a while, um, you know, it, it's been a while since I've updated it just because I've been a little busy, but, um, so how it's con currently configured right now, um, from the last time. Uh, so what I did was actually, I took the, the stock barrel off. So the 20 inch barrel that the factory barrel that it came with, which was a pain in the ass to take off. I actually had my buddy uh, help me take it off for me. Um, and um, when he took it off, sorry, I got a phone call there. Um, when he he took it off, like it was it was a nightmare. And uh, uh, anyone that you talk to, you know, that owns a Tika recommends that if you're if you're gonna take a, a barrel off, um, I highly recommend that you. Um, send it to a professional, you know, a gunsmith or whatever. Um, uh, so we were finally able to get it off. Um, you know, he torched it and stuff like that. And then he also pulled off the Picatinny rail that's on top of the Tika CTR, which is a zero biased rail. Uh, that, that, I would say that's the only downside that I didn't like is because, you know, you, you lose a little bit of elevation in your, in your rifle scope when you have a zero biased, um, uh, MOA rail. Okay. Um, you know, so I, I prefer at least a 20 or 30, um, 
to be able to maximize, you know, obviously the, the use out of your rifle, um, especially if you're very limited on elevation travel based off the rifle scope that you, you, you chose. Um, so, uh, anyways, um, so we took the barrel off. Um, I still have it in the KRG X-Ray, but uh, what I did was I bought a, uh, a spur um, hunting mount, kind of like a modular, their modular hunting route. So it's a little more lightweight than the uh, SP4001 that I use, the, the regular tactical one. Um, but it's still got attachment points on top. Uh, to be able to, um, you know, run a rail uh, is what I have on mine so that, you know, if I decide to take this to, um, you know, competitions, I have the ability to attach a, um, uh, what is that called? Um, a Hawk Hill data holder um, Picatinny rail, which is what I use for competitions uh, to be able to see my dope uh, for, or, you know, my dopes for, you know, whatever course of fire that I'm shooting in a competition setting. And then I uh, threw a flat, flat line ops. Oh, so that spur mount is a direct attach to the Tika rail. All right, so there's no Picatinny involved. Um, and yeah, I got it off mile high. Uh, and I've also got that in, sitting in a, um, so it's a Collis K318i with the SKMR3 reticle, um, left side windage. And um, again, that's in a spur mount a direct Tika mount, uh, their hunting version. Um, and one thing that was cool um, was uh, proof research uh, was following along with my Tika build. Uh, and um, they were, uh, I was lucky enough to get sent a Tika uh, carbon fiber prefit from them, um, which uh, uh, it's cut at 22 inches, a Sendero contour. And, um, you know, my time at my previous, uh, you know, profession at Gunworks, you know, I was able to really see uh, the carbon fiber, uh, you know, barrels perform a proof. And I've, I've, I've been nothing but impressed with, uh, you know, their performance. Um, so, I, you know, I have probably seen over two or 300 guns uh, with carbon fiber barrels. Um, and you know, all, all through Gunworks uh, when I was when I was working there from Sundance, and I mean they all shot phenomenal. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of the technology, especially for the hunting side of the house, uh, even even for law enforcement or, or, or snipers, um, law enforcement and military snipers. I definitely think that hopefully is the future for for those for those guys' program. I know it's a little pricey, um, but um, yeah. So they sent that over to me. The reason why I went with 22 inch because everyone's probably going to ask, okay, well why 22 inches instead of 20 inches or 24 inches? Well, 22 inches for me is, it, I think, good medium if I eventually want to put like a five or seven inch can at the end of it, um, you know, for, for hunting. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not wielding around a, a big stick because right now in the current configuration, um, you know, it's it's already about 12 pounds, even with a bipod, you know, that's sitting in a KRG, the new KRG X-Ray Gen 4. Okay, so if you guys can kind of picture that. Um, and that's actually what I shot my, my, my deer with. Uh, which actually we're gonna wait, you know, for Kalen to talk about my experience, um, and, I, and I talked about a little bit on Frank's podcast about you know how it all went down, but um, you know I'm pretty excited to share that story with you guys. Um, a couple other upgrades, um, KRG sent me their uh, Tika uh, trigger, their two stage trigger, which is pretty nice. It's a little heavier on the heavier side, especially from like a a spring, but I do like the the two sta two stages. It's, uh, it's nice and smooth. Um, 
you know, and again, it's on the heavier side, but, you know, if you guys look at like KRG's kind of standpoint, um, you know, those guys, the whole team, it's a very small team. And, you know, they all come from the, uh, you know, military side of the house and the SF side of the house. So a lot of their chassis are built around, you know, um, how they how they felt, hey, this would benefit me in a real world application of being a, um, a soft level sniper. And, uh, you know, so, you know, some of the competitors out there might not, you know, have the vibe for, um, you know, the KRG chassis. But, you know, again, the, the chassis wasn't made to, you know, have or wasn't built around a 28 inch pound gun competitive rifle. Uh, it was built about around, you know, what they felt like, you know, they could use um, operating as a sniper in the military. Uh, so, yeah. Um, I'm a big fan, uh, and I, I got a really strong relationship with those guys there at KRG. Super, super cool team. And um, if you guys, you know, ever have the ability to go to Shot Show, because um, that's typically when they're only really um, out and about, um, you know, swing by their booth and, and say hi to those guys. Because um, there's, I mean, Justin, John, Vince, all super good dudes, um, and yeah, I'm definitely happy to be uh, an ambassador uh, for those guys. But um, what else? Uh, so I've talked about my my uh, my rifle current uh, configuration, um, and then I also wanted to talk about real quick is the um, oh uh, another thing um, Sturk handles got an AI uh, bolt handle a, a Sturk bolt handle which is kind of like an AI configuration and actually first time I ever uh, messed with that I was uh, on Frank Galley's rifle when he came out to my match in 2019 for the Monster Lake Mayhem no Monster Seal Challenge uh, which is my first match that I directed and um, uh, it was awesome so I was like man I need it um, and after messing with a couple AIs I really like the bolt throw on that and uh, you know so I, I got uh, some stir candles and uh, that's what I currently have and uh, for those that are listening in it's like well man you went from um, freaking uh, zero to hero with that thing uh, the and I, and I, I prefaced it in the beginning of the very first video. I was like, Hey, the, the progression of this thing is going to be a lot faster than, you know, you typically would, you know, have it right. Um, but, uh, you know, keep in mind, you know, this is essentially what you can do with a Tika, especially for guys that do have Tikas right now. Um, you know, this is what you can do to that Tika with the, um, the, uh, you know, the, availability of of aftermarket parts for that um for that receiver uh it's it's outstanding and just how smooth it is out of the box um you know i've seen through private classes that i've taught um through modern day sniper um and obviously uh, when i was at gunworks you know i've seen a lot of you know factory rifles and stuff like that and uh, even some custom built runs um that i'm not going to say but uh, you know, the Tikas, I, I would say, out of all of them, have, have really just really uh, stood out to me. And that's why I went with the Tika build uh, project over all the other stuff that's out there. So I'm just going to say that. But I know there's a lot of great stuff coming out. I think S Springfield uh, just uh, dropped theirs. Um, I think Delta 5 and then the Sig Cross. I haven't got my hands on those. Uh, but check out my boy, Sean Utley. Uh, he's a writer. He's the one that did the article on me for uh, Ballistic. A super good dude. Um, I, I, I truly enjoy. He came out and he stayed with me 
um, out here in Wyoming uh, when he when we wrote, when he wrote that article and got to know him a little better. And that dude is is definitely a good dude to have in your circle. And um, uh, he's got a lot of great insight on those rifles uh, at the budget level. And that's what we actually talked about during our summit. Is you know hey someone that's just getting into long range shooting doesn't have to be really competitive, but maybe he wants to get into competition. You know, we talk about, Hey, what, what kind of options are there out there for you that you don't have to spend, you know, seven to 10 grand on a, um, you know, on a custom built rifle. <laughs> and, but I'll say this. So this was actually, this is not my quote. I actually saw it on Instagram. Pretty cool. And, uh, I think, uh, the Instagram handle was a uh, snake pit official. Um, which I think, uh, so snake pit for those that don't know, or uh, the snakes, um, are pretty much the army, the army sniper side of the house. That's their kind of mascot. I don't know if mascots are actually, but you know, as, as, uh, as Marine Corps snipers, you know, we have hogs, uh, the army sniper side of the house, uh, they have snakes. So I think that's, and I could be wrong, but, uh, I think they've got a podcast drop in, um, we've got a podcast drop in. Uh, November 1st so check those out check those out it's always uh, cool to see other snipers getting into the industry um, you know for the right reasons and you know wanting to give back to their community so that's super awesome uh, that those guys are doing it I think it's going to be a great addition to what we already have here obviously at modern day sniper uh, because I'm sure there's a lot of the guys that are sick of listening to two Marine Corps scout snipers so it's always nice to hear from uh, our army brother inside of the house because at the end of the day like I said you know one team um, and, uh, yeah, but, uh, going back, I always get lost on these tangents. Anyways, going back to what I was going to say, the, uh, the, uh, quote was having a $10,000 rifle doesn't mean shit if you're a $5 shooter. And when I saw it, I, 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 I was dying laughing, um, because I mean, it's true and you, you, I, I see it a lot. I hear about it a lot and you know um and obviously i have my fair share of custom builds which i'm about to go into here in, in, shortly about some of my custom build setups but um you have to get time in behind the rifle you know and even to this day you know with my ten thousand dollar rifle and my 13 years of experience of shooting precision rifles i don't think i'll be able to shoot out shoot any of my rifles that i currently have uh, in my in my uh, uh, setup um, even with this new Tika build project, uh, that I, that I got going on. Um, but you know, put in the time, you know, uh, and it's not, obviously it's not going to be tomorrow that you get there. It's like going to the gym. Um, you know, you have to be consistent with it, with your practices and stuff like that. Um, you know, perfect practice makes perfect. And, uh, I highly suggest, you know, uh, once you jump into the precision rifle game, uh, that you invest in some training, you know, after purchasing your rifle, um, and then, you know, that training with a, you know, a vetted instructor, it doesn't have to be, you know, modern day sniper, but, you know, obviously we recommend, uh, guys like Frank Galley, uh, rifles only down there, at J uh, Jacob Bynum down at rifles only, um, hit up Ridgeline defense. If you're on the East coast, um, there's a couple of snipers also doing their own thing, uh, on the East coast as well. Uh, so check those guys out, just make sure that they're, uh, they're credible, obviously, um, and they're relevant. And that's the biggest thing I would say, you know, not only credible, but relevant, uh, because, you know, they could be credible and, and Kaylin and I've talked about this for vetting your instructors. And I think Ridgeline, uh, defense, when we had them on our podcast, we talked about it, but you know, you want to, you deserve the instructor that you get. Um, so 
you know, and, and every instructor has their own niche, you know, so if you have the ability to go to different instructors, we highly recommend that too. Um, but yeah, so, you know, search out for training, um, build that foundation uh, so that you all have everything uh, to fall back on. But at the end of the day, if you don't take training, I would say that then typically as you go on your, on your path, you don't know what you don't know. So I'll just leave it, leave it at that. Um, but yeah, uh, what other color events that I want to talk about? Um, a couple of, uh, you know, uh, differences and opinions, um, in terms of, uh, you know, it's hunting season right now. And I had made a comment and I, I talked about this with Frank on our podcast. So check that out already, but the definition of a hunting rifle and, um, I actually, uh, got this from Matt Medeiros. I'm going to read this, which was cool. Cause he, he actually listened to the podcast and he messaged me, um, and Matt, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to listen uh, to that podcast. But uh, Matt Medeiros, he's a Northwest uh, shooter, phenomenal shooter. I've shot with him at the uh, NRL uh, championship, I think, 2018. And um, he says, uh, hunting rifle versus a match rifle. They are both identical tools, but broken down into specialized roles. You can use both for either and still get the job done, but there are better mouse traps. Hunting rifle should be lightweight enough to pack, carry on a pack or in the hand. Ergonomically, it should fit the shooter in a wide variety of positions. One of the most important requirements is snag-free. I want the system to have as few of the snag points as possible for easier movements through the brush and terrain. I don't feel I need to explain a match rifle to you. There's a big crossover. Um, uh, there's a lot of crossover between the two platforms, just like there are a lot of different hammers, but evolution of the tool has produced more specific rules for each. I agree. One of the key components I feel is often overlooked is the ability to spot your own shot with a hunting rifle. <laughs> Did I not just say that? Uh, thanks, Matt. Um, everybody wants the six and a half pound latest monster magnum <laughs> until it comes time to spot a hit or a miss. Whew. Um, so uh, a couple things or differences I would say um, that I've seen is uh, I had made a comment on a post. Again, I'm on social media a lot uh, as of late, but um, it was Hodgson Powder Company and they had posted, hey, you know, it's hunting season. What would you, what would you, what are you sitting to, or hey, it's hunting season. It was a picture of an elk. What do you take, what do you, what are you going to use? use if you were to see an elk um and i put a 147 or a 140 or h4350 and someone had commented is like so you're saying that you would use a you know uh, a 6.5 millimeter cartridge on the second biggest animal in north america it's like yeah man like i would you know and and again i'm not an experienced hunter and by all means like if i ever come off uh, uh, across that way um, like I'm a know-it-all, please call me out on it. But I, I try to keep a, a pretty open perspective and of everything. And I'm just talking off of my experience of what I've seen. Uh, but again, call me out if I, I if I if I ever seem arrogant in the um, long-range hunting aspect of things because I'm not an experienced hunter by any means um, for four-legged critters. But um, yeah, you know I would because out of the four critters that I've shot, two being antelope, two being deer. Um, 
you know, three of them were with six five cartridges. One with the, the twenty eight nozzler. The twenty eight nozzler was like a hundred yard shot. Um, that was earlier this year with a white on a white white tail. Um, but um, you know, I also posted this on my Instagram of kind of terminal ballistics, and you know, posted the uh, performance of my bullet on my deer when I uh, a front shoulder shot him. But uh, you know, I put that bullet exactly where I wanted to. Um, you know, at 500 yards, 490 to 500 yards, um, because I didn't want him to take a step because again, the terrain that we're out hunting out here in, um, Wyoming, I mean, he could have traveled two or three terrain features, um, just for me to track him. And that could take another, you know, three hours. I mean, it took 45 minutes to an hour just to get to him after we had shot him. And that was only 500 yards. We had to pretty much go around a, around a draw. Um, but, um, you know, anyways, he, what I've seen in this hunting industry with how young I've been in, into it is, you know, the bigger, the better. And I get it. You know, the, the bigger, the better is obviously going to, you know, guarantee a, a kill, but it's going to guarantee it if you don't practice. Uh, let me, I don't know if that's the correct word. Um, you could do the same with less. Uh, by practicing because the average hunter takes anywhere from five to ten shots a year gets his rifle for hunting since i see it you know now that you know i've been using a public range um here in cody uh you know on the weekends it's filled with guys coming up and i mean they're really literally I'm, I'm there for at least two or three hours when i go and i probably see 25 to 30 guys different people come by during those three hours Guys come in, they sight their rifles in, they, they, they cease the line, they shoot, I swear, like five to 10 rounds. And the rifles sighted in, they pack up the truck and they take off. Um, and, you know, when you're, when you're talking about shooting a lightweight magnum, it, you know, you have, to, you have to get time behind it. And it's not easy shooting, you know, um, a, a lightweight magnum. And, and I get it. If, if you're a competent shooter, by all means, use whatever you want, as long as you're effective with it. I have a problem with people that think that, okay, I'm going to go big or go home, uh, but they don't put time in it at all. And then what happens is right before they take a shot, and I've seen this, you know, a fundamental error of, okay, they're, they're anticipating recoil for it to come back at them. So the very first thing that they do is probably close their eyes, right, and ease off on the buttstock because they know it's coming. And then they slap the trigger and then... Not only that, they have no idea where their shot goes. And they, they re look up and ask their spotter or whatever, like, oh, where'd it go? I've seen it. I've seen it happen. Um, you know, when you when you put a big magnum caliber in a light frame. So, um, and, and not only that, you know, if you, if you were to go out and you were to go train for, you know, um, two or three hours and shoot 50 rounds, 50 rounds through a six pound magnum cartridge it's not fun unless you're like 250 pounds and you're just a big stocky guy um even still it's i don't think it's fun i'm 185 you know and you know again i shoot a lot but i could probably only take 40 rounds out of a magnum cartridge throughout the day and then just be completely over it um but uh yeah you know so that's why i'm a big fan of the 6.5 uh, creed more because not only um you know can you take it hunting um, and, and I've had a lot, 
what's cool is I've had a lot of experienced hunters that I look up to in the hunting industry, you know, reach out to me and it's like, Hey man, like, you know, I'm with you. Like the biggest caliber I've built so far is a six, five PRC. And that's the, that's probably gonna be my, 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 well, uh, you know, um, do it all hunting rifle. And, uh, you know, I've shot elk with six, five, uh, no problems. And even, even for me, um, I've seen, I've had students with their success for stories, you know, taking elk, uh, with six, five Creedmoors, um, you know, at, uh, 600 yards. Um, so anyways, that's kind of my rant on, uh, you know, uh, ladder cartridge selection. And, and this, that's ne- going to be a never ending debate, uh, because, you know, everyone's got their uh, opinions on, um, energy at distance. Um, but a couple things that, you know, I learned, uh, was, you know, yeah, energy is important, but actually what's also really important is understanding your impact velocity and your bullet construction so that you have the bullet perform. Um, you, you have penetration first and the bullet performs the way it needs to um, when it actually uh, hits your intended area on game. So, um, yeah, uh, moving into um, some reloading components. Uh, I've been kind of um, taking the the. Uh, Instagram by storm with uh, some of my reloading stuff that I've been posting. And let's be honest, I'll be honest with you guys. I haven't touched a reloading bench since like February of last of this year. So it's been what, like eight months. And uh, a lot of my stuff has actually been stockpiled. Um, you know, so I've, I've had a, a bunch of uh, six, five Creedmoor that I've loaded, um, you know, last, uh, last winter, just because that's really all uh, there's, going on i've you know i probably reloaded anywhere from eight to a thousand of them uh through some uh lapua and once fired hornady brass uh that that i've been just using for practice but i've been sitting on those anyways um i haven't found any new reloading equipment or reloading parts recently i think everything is sold out i've just been sitting on those because every year around this time actually i think because it's election year that's why it's worse but around this time or i'd say like December, January timeframe, what I'll do is I'll look at, hey, this is how much shooting that I'm gonna try to get done this year, whether it be competitions and training. And, you know, I project, okay, I need I need this many rounds. So what I'll do is I'll buy a surplus of uh, um, powder, uh, primers, and bullets uh, for that year. And, I tr- and the reason why I buy as many as I can so that they're all the same lot. And that's one thing that I always highly recommend shooters do, you know, when you're buying ammunition, especially factory ammo ammunition, buy as many as the same lot as you possibly can in one sitting. Uh, so that way you're not always playing the, okay, re-verify my load, re-verify my muzzle velocity, re-verify my zero every time you go from lot to lot. Cause I've seen some pretty big, uh, uh spreads from, uh, one lot of ammo to another. Um, same, same thing kind of goes with, uh, with, um, bullet components. Um, so anyways, um, because I didn't shoot a lot this year, um, you know, based off of, uh, a, I'm I'm single dad up here in Wyoming, uh, B, uh, my crossover from, um, Gunworks to modern day sniper, um, and C the whole COVID stuff, you know, um, I, I didn't meet the. Uh, matches that I wanted to, even though, you know, hopefully the content is still there on my Instagram for, for training and whatnot. But, um, so like I've just been sitting on uh, all these components, but, um, I, I also just ordered another set for 2021, hopefully that I'm uh, shooting 
And uh, I wanted to also talk to you guys about, you know, the uh, 2021 season and what, what I have coming forward for those that have been kind of following me along for my journey from, you know, I, I know there's a lot of you guys out there too, which I appreciate. Um, when I first started my Instagram back in 2000 and I think I uh, started in 2015 or 16, I believe. Um, and, you know, um, I started because, uh, you know, I just wanted to put videos out there, uh, you know, to show, you know, um, what the precision rifle was about. I think there's very minimal stuff, you know, maybe some YouTube channels, uh, like uh, 8541 Tactical, uh, John McQuay over there that I looked that I looked up to when I was uh, that I looked up to when I was a when I was now and B when I was an instructor, um, and then Frank Galley and then obviously Kalen, right? So um, you know they had their stuff on on YouTube and Streamline, and I think you know uh, I started competing and started putting my videos, but um, I know there's a lot of you guys have followed me from that from that beginning up until now, and I appreciate every single one of you guys uh, for uh, sticking with me because I know I can get um, I can repeat myself. Um, but uh, I feel like every year that I'm, I'm I feel like every year I'm repeating myself. But so I want to talk about my competition setup for for 2021 because um, you know my plan is to really you know get back to it. Um, you know, I don't think I'm ready to throw in the towel for competition. I like it too much. I got a, um, a lot of my, you know, good friends, I would say, uh, come from the competition side of the house. Um, and you know, I want to hopefully continue to inspire other snipers that are on the fence about competing. You know, I figured, well, if I'm able to get myself out there and, and show that, Hey, I'm, 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 it's a, it's a lose, lose. I was just thinking about this when I was kind of in the shower. When I go to a competition, it's a lose-lose, meaning, um, you know, okay, A, if I do really well, it's like, oh, well, he's he shoots all the time, he's an instructor, blah, blah, blah. So, like, of course. <laughs> if I don't do well, then I hear, what the heck? Or, like, I beat Phil Vallejo, like, he's supposed to be this, this you know, super good shooter. So, regardless, like, I but I go there, for A, for me, uh, and B, to show, hopefully show, you know, other people in my community that, you know, it's okay to get, go to a match and get beat by the local gardener or a 15 year old girl. Um, because what I'm able to do is get a lot, I shouldn't say a lifetime experience, but by shooting 200 rounds of focused training, um, I'm able to identify my weaknesses and be able to figure out, okay, this is what I need work on. This is how I can essentially take this information to my next class and make them better shooters um, so they can learn from my mistakes. Or, hey, this is what we've been doing for X amount of years. I think it's incorrect. Maybe we should try something like this because you know this is what works uh, on the civilian side. And again, I, I think um, you have to have the maturity for those that are in my community that are listening to this. Um, you know, you guys have to have the maturity to identify, okay, what's a game and what you can actually take that's practical information you know um you know what what's practical is you know every stage is your basic fundamentals marksmanship. that's it that's an implied task so getting behind the rifle dialing your dope and stuff like that well what becomes a game is when you know you're shooting things like spinners and and um you're shooting uh you know off like a rickety barricade um or like a chair or whatever it's like yeah you're you're kind of forced to you know see how well your position is at that point but you know, realistically, if I'm going to shoot off of a barricade, 
or some kind of um, you know alternate shooting position in combat, uh, that alternate shooting position be some, better be some type of cover. Cover being, um, you know, I I should be able to get behind it and know that it's it's going to absorb the bullets that are coming my way, you know. Um, so for those that don't know, that's the difference between cover and concealment. Uh, cover uh, means that you're safe from bullets. Concealment means that you're not. Anyways, um, so yeah, so. You know, that's why I'm always an advocate of, uh, you know, going into uh, precision rifle shooting and competitions. And um, yeah, uh, so looking forward to the uh, 2021 season and let's talk about what, what I've got going on. So uh, like I talked about in, I think, a podcast that I did uh, with Kalen on episode 31, um, Mark Gordon at Short Action Customs, they picked me back up as a shooter. Um, they make phenomenal rifles out there. Um, I definitely think Mark Gordon, uh, you know, trying to be unbiased as possible, but is, is separates else separates himself from the rest of the, you know, uh, his competitors in the industry because of his attention to detail and, um, you know, the love for his craft. I mean, I know he wakes up super early, um, and gets to work, gets some stuff done. And, you know, he's, he's been creating awesome new little, uh, um, gadgets and equipment for the uh the modern day precision rifle shooter or precision rifleman such as like the barrel vice modular barrel vice the final scope level so a big fan of mark uh over there at uh, short action customs uh, his team has been awesome but uh so so shooting for him again uh so this year or for next year he spun me up a uh two 6.5 creedmoors um, and I'm planning on running um, 147s or 140s over them, some little brass. And then um, those are both sitting in Bart line barrels, um, one and eight, and uh, obviously a KRG Whiskey 3. And uh, I've got two BRA barrels spun up uh, from Mark. And um, why I went with the BRA over the Dasher, everyone's going to ask. Uh, I asked Mark, I was like, hey man, again, I'm not an experienced but reloader by trade. A lot of you guys have been asking me for reloading videos. There's a lot of stuff on YouTube. That's where I go. Um, you know, and eventually because it's winter, uh, Kayla and I do plan on pushing out a reloading video, a re- reloading series um, for those that are, you know, tuned into Modern Day Sniper. Um, but there's already a lot of great information out there in terms of reloading. And I know a lot of people have... Uh, taken well to uh, uh, Scott Satterley's podcast on reloading. Uh, I think it was episode 14. Um, but uh, I asked him, I was like, hey man, out of all the, the six, out of all the Kool-Aid that's out there, six BRA, six BR, six GT, six BR, BRX, six Dasher, like, w- what would you go with? And, you know, it's like, man, my BRA has been shooting phenomenal. And um, yeah, like, it's like, it, Plug and play load. Solomon's got one, and I was like, that, "That was, I mean, honestly, that that's all it took to to sell me on it. Uh, not only because Mark's using it, um, but because my reloading mentor uh, and life mentor uh, Solomon is shooting it um, because he's actually <laughs> he's my um, he's my go-to when I when I start having some reloading issues. Like, hey man, what did I do wrong? Um, and uh, so that, that that's the way the reason I went with the BRA route. I don't, I don't think you can go wrong with six, you know, uh, GT six, you know, BRA, um, BR, whatever. Um, 
you know, just what I would say, find what's in your inner circle um, of, you know, of the local area, right? Um, because, you know, when you start having issues, people in that area is going to be able to help you out with it. Um, or people that you, you know, you, you talk to in your, in your community. Uh, so that's what I recommend. Just go with what, what your friends are doing, your closest friends are doing so that they can help you out when you need troubleshooting issues. Um, so yeah, so I spun up, uh, two BRAs for me. And then I've also got a, uh, I've, I've had my 308 that, uh, short action uh, that Mark built for me when I first joined the team. So that's still running strong. That that's only got about 3000 rounds through it. Um, but that's actually my actual trainer rifle. And I've, I've talked about this before, like, you know, the, the 308 keeps me humble. When you start shooting lighter calibers, everyone that knows, like I said, you start, I mean, you start taking shortcuts and because it's forgiving. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the 308 keeps me humble because again, um, as an instructor, I have to be able to, um, you know, I, I want to be able to hopefully, you know, um, you know, teach snipers again and, uh, relate to them and, uh, understand that like, Hey, like I can manage the recoil of a 308, like, like you're using, you know, so this is how you're, uh, this is how I'm able to do it and, and be able to talk about that. But, um, you know, it's just being able to figure out which hat I want to put on that day, uh, whether I'm teaching competitors, teaching snipers, whatever, just my, my language changes, uh, for who my audience is in the, in the classroom. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the 308, I keep, I, I use it. I would say my main trainer rifle because of the recoil, uh, because when you, Anytime you bounce from a heavy recoiling rifle to a lighter recoiling rifle, everything is easy. And for those that have done that, you, you can see that. Um, so that's why I, I, I strictly train with my 308 uh, for positional shooting and, and whatnot. Um, and then for wind, obviously, because, you know, for, uh, for the 308, 175 grain Sierra Match Kings. And that's all I run out of my rifle uh, out of my 308 is a 175 Sierra Match King. I know there's better 30 cal bullets out there. <laughs> you know, I guess this is my one time that I'm going to be kind of just staying in my lane. It's just, I know that that round, like the back of my hand, um, and it's still relative to what snipers are using. So why not? Um, again, keeping in tradition of what snipers are currently doing so that I, you know, um, can level with them when it comes time to train them on, on that, on that, on that bullet. But, um, 0.243 G7, run that any ballistic calculator, or if you use a Hornady Ford off, they have that bullet inside their bullet library as well. Look for Sierra, uh, 30 cal, 175 SMK, and there you go. Um, so, okay. Um, oh, and I also wanted to talk about, uh, the action that I'm going to be using, uh, which is a, a Lone Peak Fusion. Uh, so I've been... Uh, lucky enough to get picked up as Phil Vallejo, the competitive shooter from uh, Lone Peak. Uh, and uh, I've been nothing but impressed with their actions. Um, so then start, uh, goes another question. Well, why Lone Peak over an impact or, or defiance and whatnot? Um, I've got an impact. Actually, the impact that I have is chambered in 308. It's uh, it's one I won from the 2018 finale. It's a great action. Um, you know, it's smooth out of the box, and you know, the the downside for me uh, with the impact is the fact that there's a trigger hang. It, it, it involves a trigger hanger, uh, and you know, for my KRGs, none of my KRGs are 
Um, none of the KRGs are equipped to um, facilitate having a trigger hanger. Uh, there's some modifications that a gunsmith has to do uh, in order to clear that trigger hanger. And the last thing that I want to do is send, um, you know, all my chassis to get configured to, to go the impact route. But nevertheless, it's a great action. Um, but uh, the reason why I'm going, with, I went with the fusion. Um, not only is it a, is a great action, but I have a really really strong relationship with those guys just from competing um, and shooting with those guys um, down there at uh, Lone Peak. So Brian Black and Mike Anderson. Uh, first time I actually met them, they came up and uh, they shot my match that I hosted. And uh, from then, I mean, we have been super. Um, every time you know we're at a match together, uh, you know we we catch up and. Um, not not only are they they really good shooters. I mean, Brian's on on a roll this year. I think Brian um, won two matches. He won Scott's most recent match, um, the the Hunter match, and then he won the Utah match that I shot through the NRL. Um, but uh, they're they're both very uh, seasoned hunters, and yeah, I mean. Um, you know, someone that understands the hunting, not only the hunting world, um, a company that understands the hunting world, um, are, are both competent shooters and, you know, just super good, good people. Uh, you know, I was able to kind of vibe with that. And, uh, you know, I reached out to them cause I just heard their, their actions were phenomenal. And, um, you know, we, uh, yeah. Um, so I'm, so I'm shooting for, for Lone Peak, uh, fusions. So check them out guys. Um, and, and hopefully, guys, this is not like a, you know, um, like, oh, look at look at Philly's all, like, sponsored and stuff like that. I'm, I'm trying not to uh, be that way. I'm trying to just, you know, I've got here where I'm at um, because I took a risk when I first started getting into shooting. Um, I, actually, I actually took out a loan to buy my first, uh, you know, precision rifle as, as an instructor. And... Um, yeah, I mean, uh, that you could, and one thing that I don't want to talk about, obviously, is finances. I'm not, I'm the worst, last person to talk about, you know, uh, uh, financial planning and success. Um, but uh, obviously, you know, taking a chance and investing in it myself uh, with that, with that loan, um, for me, uh, you know, it was worth it uh, because, you know, five years later down the road, I've established really great relationships with people in the industry. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I continue to do what I love to do, which is shoot long range. And again, my, I think my passion for teaching outweighs that, uh, I just happen to, you know, um, get lucky enough to be able to teach my passion or teach what I like to do. So, um, I just, uh, yeah, I appreciate, um, appreciate those guys at Lone Peak, uh, again, phenomenal actions. They've run super smooth out of the box. Um, they've got a really great reputation, um, especially on the hunting side of the house, their fusion uh, titanium action. Um, I've heard nothing uh, great things about. Uh, so uh, next year I'm, I'm hoping to put together a uh, um, seven SOM. Uh, again, probably running a seven SOM because Kalen's running, what, why not run, you know, uh, very similar. And uh, actually get that ready for the 20, well, that'll probably just be my, you know, uh, medium size hunting caliber. And, uh, the, um, I think the seventh Psalm, you know, after shooting a, a few is the right balance between, you know, uh, obviously, you know, having, 
you know, good bullet selection out there, but that's not going to kill you if you want to practice it with it all, all day. And that's one thing that I really liked about the 28 Nozzler um, was that, you know, the 28 Nozzler, even though it was super expensive to shoot, I mean, those things were nasty accurate. Um, but as far as recoil went, I mean, I could shoot a 28 Nozzler all day and not, not get beat up. Uh, but the, the downside of 20 dollars it's super expensive so i don't think my 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 uh my my wallet could afford the uh the 28 nozzler but um so yeah so check out lone peak check those guys out over there check out mark gordon at short action customs uh you guys if you guys are listening to this i appreciate you guys uh thanks for um you know supporting not only uh phil vallejo the competitor but you know modern day sniper as a whole and um yeah, uh, moving on to what's going on for uh, Modern Day Sniper, uh, what's next? So uh, next week, uh, we are actually heading over to the East Coast to Big River, and we will be uh, teaching at least my first East Coast course. I, I guess it would be second. I went over there actually and, and, and taught like a little clinic uh, uh, through the Guardian, but um, I always enjoy seeing the East Coast my, the East Coast um, crew. Um, it's always, you know, different uh, different vibe and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, really, uh, excited to head out there. So we're going to pig river. I haven't been to that venue, but I've heard nothing but great things from the people that I've shot from the East coast. So excited to see that venue. Uh, we have a PR one-on-one class and a, uh, positional clinic out there. Um, and I think they're both sold out. So guys, if you guys um, are listening to this, sorry about that, but, um, I think we're going to probably make that annual thing. So when, when it goes live for next year, make sure you get on it for those that are on the East coast, maybe can't travel out to uh, the West to come see us in Yakima. But, uh, and then in December, uh, we have a Marine unit. Yes. Uh, a Marine unit, um, that we're going to be training down at rifles only Texas. And, um, I'm excited about that one. Kalen actually, um, we talked about it and Kalen was like, Hey man, um, do you want to take lead or she's like, Hey man, I want you to take lead on putting the, the, the program together for, uh, the, um, Marine unit that we're training, uh, in Texas. And I was like, hell yeah. So, um, the, so it's a six day training package and, uh, that we're hosting for them. And, you know, it, it kind of reminded me back of, my days of, of being a chief scout and uh, for those that don't know a chief scout a chief scout sniper in a unit is typically the most senior sniper in the platoon um other than the platoon sergeant you know the platoon sergeant whether it, you know if he's if the platoon sergeant is sniper obviously he's the most senior sniper uh but you know the chief scout being the the, mo- the most senior sniper to um you know that's actually still uh, operating right because once you get the platoon sergeant i mean you're stuck in the sark and and whatnot which stands for uh sniper and reconnaissance command i had to think about that one for a second and the sark is essentially uh you know just uh headquarters um you know when teams are out that's who they're reporting information to um anyways usually you know the platoon sergeant is stuck in the sark so as as a chief scout when I was a chief scout of my unit at uh, first time, fourth Marines back in 2012 to 2014, that was the best time of my life. 
um, and my favorite billet. You know, yeah, I went on to become a, a scout sniper instructor. You know, that, that was great being a, the primary marksmanship instructor. Uh, but the the thing about that was that the training was already uh, the training the training was already dictated by obviously TCOM um, training and education command. <laughs> You active duty guys are gonna butcher me because I forgot all this stuff already. Um, but uh, anyways, the, the the you know for sniper school the the training plans already there. As an instructor, we just facilitate the training. You know, so you know um, as a chief and ch- chief scout sniper for my unit, you know I set up all the training for my platoon, my twenty four man platoon, and you know I was responsible for getting the guys ready for cyber school and getting my platoon ready for combat. And I think why I'm glad that Kalen gave me the reins to, 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 you know, uh, set up training is because again, I just, I just love watching the, or I just, I think I just love the planning process of putting training together. Um, just like I, you know, I think I love any kind of planning process behind anything, but, uh, you know, uh, understanding, hey, this is the amount of rounds we got. This is the gear that we're using. These are the training tasks that we want to accomplish. Go. Um, so, you know, when I was a chief scout, um, I wrote a lot of LOIs, which is letter of instructions, RMs, uh, operational risk management. You know, I coordinated, you know, supply and, and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I guess here here goes for the guys that are listening and that are active duty. You know, some of the if you're not active duty, if you're not military, this probably won't really make sense to you, but maybe it will. But uh, you know, if you're listening to this, if you're still you know out there, like, hey guys, like, it, it's important to make good relationships with the people that are supporting you as snipers. Um, so, uh, you know, H and S company, you know, S four, S two, S three, even S one, um, and S six com. You know, guys like when you have a very beneficial relationship with those guys, um, they'll take care of you. You know, you show up to the shop and you know, they, you, they put face to who you are and they're like, Oh dude, how can I, how can I help you? Uh, because you know, if you, if you don't build that relationship, I mean, you're just, you're, you're no better relationship wise than, you know, just the average grunt that walks in and, you know, kind of gets put to the side. Um, I would say, so, you know, that's one thing that I, I would say, you know, I, what made me successful when I was a chief scout, my, my platoon successful was the relationships that I built with all the supporting companies and, and supporting assets to snipers. And uh, when we needed something, you know, um, the, those people in the shots would bend over backwards to get it done for, for, for us. And I thought that was cool. Um, and, uh, you know, not only that, we had a very uh, supporting battalion commander. Uh, who loves snipers? Um, Lieutenant Colonel Bronzy at the time, I believe, is a colonel now. Man, I'd follow that man uh, to combat him back, um, and uh, super, super great leader. Uh, you know, one of the leaders that you know you look forward to hearing. Um, you looked forward to um, battalion uh, formations just to hear that man speak and and stuff like that. So very inspirational. Um, I definitely owe it to him, you know, contribute a lot of my success, um, as a chief scout to him because of, you know, he just gave me kind of free reign, uh, to, to, 
to train my snipers as I saw fit. Um, and not only that, you know, my platoon commander and a platoon sergeant for that deployment. And I, I, that's a big reason actually why I st sticked around um, the platoon sergeant, um, Sullivan, um, a legend on the East Coast. Um, you know, he, he doesn't have a Facebook or Instagram. He doesn't, you know, tout that he has 33 confirmed kills. He's probably got more than that. Um, you know, there's, there's so many people out there that, you know, are just, you know, in the shadows that, that I look up to and, and respect at the highest level, um, you know, that I want to be able to tell their story one day, uh, because I know that they're not looking for the fame to, to, to want to do it. Um, but I think it, it's cool because that it brings awareness to the realities of being a sniper in combat. Um, but, uh, you know, one thing that I, you know, a tribute to Sullivan, you know, as a, as a young sergeant sniper in the community was, you know, um, we, we call them fuck fuck games, right? In, in the sniper community and what fuck fuck games are is it's like, Hey man, if you, if you, if you mess up, your seniors are going to have a, have a way with you. And typically there's no training value out of it. <laughs> when you when you play fuck fuck games it's just to get a point across like hey you fucked up right well um you know that that's kind of seen a lot um and you know there's depending on who you talk to there's like pros and cons you know because i'm definitely guilty of not only receiving my fair share of fuck fuck games uh but dishing them out until you know i i uh was uh, the chief scout for Sullivan and you know we we made sure that every punishment had a training task intent um so that you know we weren't we weren't just you know messing dudes up for no reason <laughs> and hopefully any of my guys that are listening are kind of laughing in the background um but we had a ball that we had a ball that deployment we had a ball that uh we had a blast you know that that workup um, you know, some, some heartaches, but, you know, that's one thing that I, I, I do miss about, uh, you know, being active duty is, is, uh, you know, setting up training plans. So I'm super excited, uh, to, to take lead on this. And <laughs> I've mapped out a pretty, uh, I, I feel like a pretty well-rounded course of fire and, uh, training, training plan for these guys, six days. It's a lot. And, um, you know, um, I, I don't expect them to, you know, go from zero to hero after six days, but, again, lay the foundation, like just like anything. Um, and hopefully, you know, kind of just inspire them at the end of that six days to, to, to seek training on their own. You know, I think that's, that's an ultimate goal that I have any, anywhere that I go, anywhere that I go train is to just plant a bug, uh, plant a bug of, of how fun, you know, precision rifle training can be, especially, you know, the fact that you can do it I mean, I think what's great about this sport is how big it's grown. There's local matches, national level matches everywhere throughout the week. I mean, typically when I first got into this, I mean, you had to wait a month or two before a national level match was hosted and usually they got sold out, but now it's everywhere. And, and what's cool is especially the local levels, those are really uh, ramping up. So, you know, I just hope by the end of those two days to inspire guys to, to 
you know, go out there and, and, and to learn, you know, you don't have to go out there and be competitive, just go out there and learn about yourself, learn about your ability to, you know, um, your ability behind a rifle, your capabilities and, you know, use it as fire to, to just be better, to train better because the, the more effective, you know, the more practice that you get in, obviously just the more deadlier you're going to be our downrange. Um, and that's what I equate it to, you know, um, because believe it or not, you know, you don't get the training that you should, you deserve, um, in, in active duty or, you know, um, reserve component. Uh, we all know that a lot of training goes to a lot of time goes to <coughs> annual training, the rifle range, CFT, PFT, online training classes, some crazy shit like that, but n- no actual MOS proficiency training. And I know you guys can relate to me on that because cause I've seen it. Um, so, you know, get out there and, and you know, um, compete, right? Because when you go to those matches, like the match directors don't have things like having a set of road guards and, you know, calm. And now you're down like eight guys from training because you have all these safety things in place, right? Where you got to rotate. I've been there, you know, it's like, it's, it's, it's asinine, right? Um, but that's where you, and, and when you go to train, now you can just focus on your ability, especially if you're a senior uh, in a platoon, like a chief scout or a team leader. Now you can just focus on your ability as a shooter and not have to worry about any other thing that's going on, um, which I think is, which I think is cool. Anyways. Okay, guys, uh, it's been about an hour. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed this podcast. I, I was going on a couple rabbit holes. I guess that's good. But yeah, uh, so hopefully the next time you hear from me, uh, I'll be back with Kalen and we'll talk about what's coming up next. Um, but uh, if, if you guys like this podcast, if you guys like any of our any of our episodes, share it with a friend. And um, if you found value out of the episodes or any of the episodes, you know, if you didn't find value, sorry about that. You know, maybe we're not, you're not a cup of tea, but if you did find value, uh, just, you know, share it with a friend, share it on your social media uh, channels. That's, you know, the best way we can, you know, get the word out and, you know, um, oh, uh, one thing that I actually, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. I wonder if I did talk about it with Kalen in a podcast. Anyways, I'm going to say it again, just because it was the last weekend that I was with Kalen before heading back to Cody from Yakima. So we had this pizza place, Ron Yours, I believe. Super bomb pizza, by the way, if you guys have been to Ron Yours. And so we uh, we order pizza. You know, we're with the family. You got Zoe, Luke, uh, Cass, and they're, they're chilling over there by the grass. And so it's time for Kalen and I pick up the pizza. And as him and I go pick up the pizza, the, the girl that had us a pizza opens the sliding door. And I'm actually wearing I'm actually wearing this shirt when I was there, uh, this gray shirt, Monterey Sniper. Um, <laughs> sorry, I, I realize that I'm on a podcast right now, and I'm also recording this. Um, so, uh, anyways, so I walk up, Kaylin and I walk up to the to the to the uh, window, and I'm wearing this shirt. And the very first thing that she asked me is. Hey, what's modern day sniper? <laughs> Especially in like today's climate, it's very, it's very, it's always very tough to like, you know, judge how you want to come across, right? You know, like, you know, typically what I, I tell people when I first meet them, like, oh, I'm a teacher, because that's what I am, a teacher. What do you teach? I teach math. Okay. 
Anyways, <laughs> another rabbit hole. Anyways, she asked, oh, what's modern day sniper? And I, I looked at Kaylin and I was kind of just like dumbfounded by the question. Like, damn, I guess I wasn't ready for that, you know, for, I guess, or just a regular civilian, you know, um, chick at this pizza place to ask me what modern day sniper was. So then as we're grabbing our food, like it just comes to me and I was like, well, modern day sniper is a mindset. And, you know, from there, I was like, dude, that's what I want to use. You know, modern day sniper is a mindset. It's a mindset that, you know, um, although we're, it's, a, it, we, we have to honor everything, everyone that has come before us and, and, and stuff like that. We also have to, you know, be present and, and be in the now and realize what assets we have available to us to just make us better and more lethal, um, you know, downrange, uh, and that's what we try to do here the best we can at, at Modern Day Sniper is provide you with the tools and information to, to be as effective as you can be regardless of what you use the rifle for. Again, we know that we realize we, we reach out to not just snipers, but hunters and uh, competitive shooters and just enthusiasts. But, you know, we want you to be uh, as confident and capable with that system uh, as you can be with uh, modern techniques and t technology, um, you know, because... Uh, Again, which is just going to make us better. So anyways, that's just what I want to say. Modern day sniper is a mindset. So, okay, guys, uh, for those, um, again, that, that are listening in, I appreciate you guys taking the time. Hopefully you guys enjoyed this little one on this is, I like it. It's a little tough to do it by myself, but hopefully I didn't get, do it, go down too many rabbit holes. But uh, we'll see you guys next time. You guys know the drill. Keep your face on the gun.